podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Paddock Blues Podcast. You can find us on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash paddockblues. Or you can email us at paddockblues at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and up the toffees. Hello and welcome to the Paddock Blues Podcast. I'm Jamie and today I'm joined by a very special guest. And Dave, Dave's joined us from sunny Wolverhampton. You okay, mate? I'm all good, man. Thanks for having me. Good. Happy days. Uh, Dave, you're a part of the Talking Bulls podcast. That's where we've sort of come together and we were talking. I know you're talking to Paul. And just tell us a bit about yourself, mate. I ask this question to everyone, so I'll ask it to you. But why Wolves? Uh, yeah, what are walls? I mean, uh, yeah, born and raised in Wolverhampton, really. I'm part of a uh, quite a big family. Uh, I've got a lot of family. My family actually originate from Malta, um, but they're huge Manchester United fans, believe it or not. There's a huge Manchester United fan base over there. Um, so as always, as a much much younger fan, I was sort of split between you know United or Wolves. Wolves, obviously, in the championship, at the, pretty much in the championship most of that time, but. As I sort of grew older, eight, nine years of old years of age, that's when I sort of started going to Wolves games a lot more, and that's where the passion, uh, you know, of everything came in. So, yeah. been an avid follower and and fan ever since then. Uh, you know, not so much in, in the last couple of years, but you know, we're doing home and away for many seasons as well. Um, and then obviously kicked off talking Wolves about twenty eighteen. So yeah, just over five years ago now, when we were just. Coming out of the championship uh, under Nuno, we've sort of got the foundations down for the channel and we've just gone from strength to strength since. So, yeah, we do a podcast, loads of stuff on the YouTube and something's just started off as a YouTube channel. It's just grown into its own sort of social media page now and it sort of yeah. runs itself. So, yeah, now enjoy it. Enjoy every minute of it. And, uh, yeah, we uh, love the highs and lows of the football club. I think that's sometimes it's horrible, isn't it, when you've got to talk about uh, the defeats, but you, you do love it and it's... It's something that we both, we all love on this podcast, and I'm sure you do as well. Just talking about your club and your team and your passion. So yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I was listening to another podcast, and you know, Wolves. It's 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 not great at the moment. It's not completely doom and gloom, but there were people saying like sometimes you've got to have heavy defeats or crap times to enjoy the the good times even more. And and that's what we've done. You know, we've been down to League One, but then we've had days in in the Europa League and stuff as well. But yeah, yeah, like you say, just talk to your mates about the football or, you know, a lot of the lads that I do the podcast with, you know, I've met through the podcast or met through Twitter or YouTube or whatever. We've spoken to journalists and celebs that are Wolves fans. And like five or six years ago, someone told me you'd be doing that. I'd be like, no, you're talking rubbish. But, you know, here, here we are. Happy days. Yeah, well, that's, I think that's it. And it's just keep going, isn't it? And it's no matter how crap we are, which we will get into, um, <laughs> we just keep talking about us as Everton and you as Wolves. Yeah. But if I can, Dave, I'd like to take you back to the middle of last season. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody played on Boxing Day. We won't go what score it was. But yeah, you did beat us under your new management of Lopetegui, is it? There you go, yeah. You bang it, yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> Yeah, you you know you come bottom of the league, you come to Goodison, you beat us two one, uh, and then you sort of just dragged yourself away. I mean, come Christmas time, I think you're a lot of people's favourites to go down. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of sort of gathered momentum and kept yourselves well, uh, very much safe. I don't, know, I think you were safe with like five six weeks to go, maybe. Yeah. But you were well out of it, um, and then 
the summer come. Now, I'll be honest, I'm naive. I don't know Wolves' account books. I don't know Evans' account books, but I know they're bad. And all of a sudden, Wolves couldn't sort of sign anyone. And it was a bit yeah. of a mess and players walking out the door. Was, do you feel any of that towards the end of last season? This was going to happen? Or did you think new manager sort of, you know, we're ready to kick on here? I think it's just sort of accumulated, like from the last few years of transfer business, and it's all sort of come to this where Wolves have signed some good players, but there's been a lot of rubbish, and as Everton would have had as well. And but Wolves overspent massively on certain players. Uh, obviously, Lopetegui came in; that was his first game, uh, first Premier League game at Goodison Park, and obviously we got the three points, and. That was a really sort of a big, a good kickstart for Wolves. You know, a lot of uh, positivity into the football club, which we hadn't had a lot of around those sort of times. I had to spend quite a little bit in, in January to, you know, strengthen the squad. And, and ultimately it kept us in the Premier League. But we knew around May time, the club had basically told Lopetegui, look, you know, going into the summer, this is our plan. We can't spend a lot of money. Our target market's going to be players probably between sort of seven or eight to 15 million pounds. Um, and everyone uses like Brentford or Brighton as like the, yeah. the sort of blueprint. And I think that's basically what they were saying. We want to find our own talent rather than having to spend over the odds to do it. And Lopetegui wasn't sure about that. He was in an RA for a long, long time. He got to the start of preseason and there was a statement out basically saying, yeah, he's happy to, to roll with it. You know, he's happy, he's satisfied with the club's plan. He sat down with them. Um, got through pre-season. It was a good pre-season. We won, won games, beat good teams, beat Porto quite comfortably. And then we had a game, I think the week before the final week of pre-season, which was against Celtic. We drew 1-1 and apparently Lopetegui pulled our sort of director of football to one side and said, look, I don't want to continue at this club. Um, and that was, you know, a week before the season was officially starting. So we, the club had like a week to put interviews out or to speak to people whilst Lopetegui was still in charge. And then ultimately, you know, uh, he left bang on a week before the season and, and we had to bring Gary O'Neill in. So it's hard because for me, I was disappointed with how Lopetegui handled it because I think if he, for me, he must have known at the start of the summer what the situation was going to be. And if he's not, if he's not, doesn't want to be part of it, walk out then and give the club a chance to bring someone in, get a proper pre-season in. But at the same time, I don't know what the club said to him. The club could have told him a load of rubbish he could have misunderstood it. I, I don't think anyone will ever know. So, yeah, it left us in a, a little bit of a sticky situation before the season kicked off anyway. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of um, when we had Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah. When we brought Ancelotti, I think, you know, everyone's dead fell off because you're like, what are you doing here? I think, yeah. he's, I think he must have got lost. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, no, he, and it, it was brilliant for us. And there's another thing, we were in we're a, different bit of, a different situation because... Um, we got a full season out of him. Yeah. Oh, we got about two years. We knew there was always that feeling of, you know, you shouldn't be here sort of thing. You're just sort of waiting for it, which happened when Real Madrid couldn't call him. But mm. I don't know. I think with Wolves, you know, sort of from the outside looking in, it, it did feel like that. It felt like they were just, you were lucky to have this manager and they were just yeah. holding on to the fact that he was, because he is a great, he was a great football manager. He is a great football manager. Mm. Um, but I just I just thought I wanted to go to the Gary O'Neill. You to bring him up is I think a lot of people in the media when that happened was a very much. And I'll be honest, as never Tony, when you signed Gary O'Neill, it was happy days. Purely yeah. not not through for the fact that no disrespect to Gary O'Neill, but 
you want every team matters, which is you would to us to be weaker. And from the outside looking, it looked like it, it, it did that. But again, from going from Carlo Ancelotti to Rafa Benitez was a massive change. Mm-hmm. What is the sort of feel around the fan base about Gary O'Neill? Is it changed from when he originally came in, or was it just that he's here now? Let's sort of get behind him. It's it's changed, yeah. It's changed a little bit. I think you know when when Lopetegui, I think it was a Monday night, a few Mondays ago, it was said that his position is very unstable at the club. And then the first and really only name that was linked was Gary O'Neill. Gary O'Neill had been spoken to by the club. They were impressed by him. I know for a fact they had spoke to other managers. It's not really well publicised, but I think Lampard was one, but just didn't just didn't impress the the club whatsoever. And obviously <laughs> you'll vouch for that as well. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things, and, and people, and I mentioned this on a few podcasts recently, if I asked any Wolves fan, if I asked you as an Everton fan or any other Premier League fan, who would you want as your next manager of your club? Gary O'Neill would not have been the answer. No. So that's why it was a little bit of a shock because, you know, he did a, he did a good job at Bournemouth. I think everyone yeah. would have put their house on them to go down when he took over last year. And, he, you know, so he did a, a good job there. And then you look a bit deeper into it and their sort of underlying stats, like the possession, the goals they were conceding was disappointing. But... Then you've got to look past that. You know, he wasn't there to start beating teams 5-0 at Bournemouth. He just needed to grind out results, and that's exactly what he did. So it was a little bit underwhelming. But I think when he got the job, he was saying, he said the right sort of things in his early interviews. And I was one of the fans saying, look, we can't do anything else now. Let's just get behind him. There's no point in us going and booing and moaning. Let's just get behind him. Um, and we, he did exa- we did exactly that. United away the first game. I thought the atmosphere was fantastic and we should have come away with something from that oh, game. We we played them off the park. Obviously, they got their chance, took their chance. Um, and then we were denied a really late penalty, but we created loads of opportunities. And um, there was a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement last week as well. People rubbing their hands together thinking, right, first game at Molyneux. And obviously, Brighton, you know, knocked us back a peg or two. But yeah, I think it's changed. I think fans are... I think it's still a bit of a 50-50 split. After that Brian game, I was getting a lot of comments saying, I can't believe we've got this manager. We should get rid of him whilst whilst we can. Well, I think that's so unfair after just two games in charge. I think it's going to be one of those appointments. It's either going to be really brave from Wolves and pay off, or it could be an absolute disaster. But I think it's going to take a few weeks to find out. Yeah, do you think the Gary O'Neill appointment has become... Listen, we know the financial situation, we don't know the financials, but for me, looking in the Gary O'Neill is very much like our Sean Dice. We've got no money. Yeah, he's happy to work. Yeah, he's yeah. happy to work with that. Um he's a young manager that looks it's a different way of going down, you know, a different route to go down. Do you think that is that a massive factor in Gary O'Neill taking a job? The fact that he isn't any money to spend. I, I think that's gotta be one of the reasons that because I think if Although Wolves haven't been ran brilliantly, if if managers know that Wolves have still got a kitty of like hundred million to spend, top managers would come and Lopetegui would would obviously still, still be here it, as yeah. well, yeah. Um, so I think that is one reason. I always said that with Bruno Large as well before Lopetegui. I thought he'd come in and I thought he was a bit of a yes man. I think we had Nuno. We had some great times under Nuno. Wolves should have you know pounced on that and got a really top manager in. And I thought Bruno Large, who obviously is a very good football coach. Uh, and tactician, I don't think in terms of man management and knowing how to get the very, very best out of a Premier League squad, he was never going to be the answer. Um, and that's why Lopetegui was the complete opposite. He was a serial winner. He'd won trophies, you know, he managed Spain and, and mm-hmm. Real Madrid. Um, so Gary O'Neill is going to be an interesting one because it feels like we're going back down that sort of Bruno Lager. He's quite a successful coach before he, he joined Bournemouth. 
I think he's analytical side of the game. You know, he's one of those managers that likes to look at the analysis side. So it's a slightly different route, but I think, like you said, he's he's a cheaper option. I think, uh, but yeah. you know, he's 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 a manager with a point to prove. Obviously, he got let go by Bournemouth. He's going to want to prove them wrong. Definitely, I think a lot of people felt sorry for him as well when he got sacked by Bournemouth. Didn't he? Yeah. he did do a fantastic job. Listen, he, he come to Goodison and got the centres down, um, yeah. and we all thought it'd be the other way around, really. But the I just move on from the manager, and well, not really because it's a massive part of why you probably have changed manager as we touched on. You're in the same boat as us. Unfortunately, you've got one all, we've got the other, and we're just trying to row it together. Yeah. Um. FFP, it seems to only go to sort of teams like us, mate, down, <laughs> down there, and doesn't matter for the Chelsea's and stuff like that. But listen, that's the, the you know, the thing we find ourselves in now. It, I know who I blame for us. I know I can tell you who I blame. Who, who's the one that you sort of look at and go, he's the reason we, we, we've got no money. Why, why is he still here? You know, or has it just been a sort of mix of everything? There's a mix of quite a few things, I think. Uh, and we could probably even go back to sort of the Nuno days to sort of point some of this out. But our, our best transfer window was the first year we came back into the Premier League. Since then, every other window has been very underwhelming. Or you look back at it in hindsight and think that window should have been a hell of a lot better. The, obviously, I know you mentioned to me before we started about an agent, and that agent is George Mendes, who it's no secret that we've had close ties with him ever since Foson took took over at Wolves. You know, we've had this sort of Portuguese influence. We've signed yeah. so many Portuguese players, um, but normally overpaid for them. But we have had some good bargains. We signed Jan Martino for five million, which he's worth, he was worth every penny. You know, and, and you know he's been able to get us the likes of Nuno, who bought us some of our best times. Uh, at Wolves, but then there's other players. I, I really like Fabio Silva, but we shouldn't have spent £35 million on him at the time. Um, you know, there's been various players. So Wolves are now in a financial situation where I think what the club were expecting when we signed the likes of Neves, Jota, I think they were expecting right there. They have one or two years here and we sell them for big money. Adama was another one. Adama, we signed for £18 million. Took him a couple of years, but he had a really good year when we were in the Europa League. And Wolves, in hindsight, should have cashed in on him then. I don't think they would have got some of the fees that were mentioned, but they could have easily got 40, probably 40, 50 million pounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they didn't cash in on it. And now I think Wolves are looking at that and regretting it, seeing the likes of Brighton doing the business that they're doing, buying players for 10, 15 million quid and, and selling them for over 100 million. You know, Wolves are regretting that. So um, that's that's what's happened, really. I think just too, too much. Money has been spent. We've not had nothing returned. Guedes was one of the big ones. We signed him last summer for thirty over thirty million pounds, and he six months later he's out on loan. Um, so I think Jeff Shee, who's the chairman, he's turned players away or made the final decisions on transfers when he's not really a football man. So I think he'll have things that he regrets. Mendes, um, you know, stitching us up with with various players is probably another reason as well. But at the same time, the club, if they've got to trust their own, you know, gut, if they don't think the player that Mendes is offering is the right player, we should we should be saying no. So I think now, again, like I said to you before, and Wolves are trying to go in a direction where they're not having to rely on Mendes, using their own scouting network, using their own brains a lot more. Uh, but it's been a very tough window. We've not we've not spent a penny on a on a player yet. No, I think, listen, it echoes sort of what we're going through, what we have gone through the last couple of years. Um, 
Damari Ray, 1.5 million, Andros Townsend for nothing, Solomon Rondon yeah. for nothing. Um, but then I go, you can go back and we've got like Yannick Balassi, 35 million, Gilfie yeah. Sigurdsson, 50, David Klassen, 30, you know. 50, wow. You know, you've got these players that, and they've gone for, sorry, they've gone for nothing. They've gone for, yeah. you know, absolutely nothing in the end. They've just left. Morgan Snyderland was 20. You, know, you look back now, at the time it was great. It was like we won the lottery, but... yeah. It was just totally went wrong. Um, and do you think that is an aspect of where yours has come from, where like you're just signing big money players on this potential of we'll sell them for hundred million? And it, do you think it's the player that hasn't reached the the potential Wolves thought he would, or do you think it's just completely overpaid? It's pro- it's probably a bit of both. To be fair, the time Wolves should have spent this money was the year we got into the Europa League. It was probably one of our worst transfer window since we've been in the Premier League and in in reality that should have been one of our best we should have taken that as an advantage to to grow and, and strengthen the team and Nuno even when we're in uh, the Europa League we had Covid as well we still finished 7th in that Premier League, the Premier League season so two 7th place back-to-back finishes and Wolves never ever took advantage of that I think like you said I think it's a bit of both I think Wolves have overpaid uh, like get Guedes may come good but we spent over 30 million on him he was just never interested, never wanted to be in Wolverhampton. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think there's been some really disappointing recruitment. But like you said, you know, you mentioned some names there. I'm worried with some of the players like Neves. I was worried a little bit that he was going to for, not force a move out. But, you know, he's left now. But I, I was worried he was going to stay this season and leave on a free. And I thought yeah. that was at least 30, 40 million pounds gone. Um and I think that's the, the worry now, just not with Everton and Wolves, just football in general. I think the player power is so strong that, you know, clubs are spending 60, 70 million quid on players. And then, you know, in three years time, they're just leaving for nothing. I just don't get it as a business model. But that's something that Wolves know that they've now got to improve. But as Wolves fans, we're not used to it. We're used to us spending money every window and, and Wolves fans don't like it. So they're very quickly turning, turning on the board now. Yeah, so if you need any advice um, on turning on the board, just ask. <laughs> yeah, but I just want to talk, you've touched on a couple of times of Wolves being in the Europa League. Now I remember that happening. I remember thinking, here we go, you know, it's another sort of team that'll try and crack the top four. Yeah. And now we're, we're sat here, you're, you're 19th, we're 20th. Some people have got us to go down, some people have got you to go down, as well as the yeah. other two. So I just want to sort of talk about that from... Your perspective, did you see that coming? Or is this a, like, I thought, you know, why haven't we kicked on? So I know everyone thinks, why haven't you kicked on? But could you see this happening? No, I, I don't. I, at the time, no. I suppose you don't, do you? You know, we got to the Europa no. League quarterfinal. And the one thing I say, and it's so hard because I'll, I'll never, ever know, is we were about one point beyond the top four and on unbelievable four when COVID hit. And I genuinely think, and I said it on a podcast at the time, we're in the Europa League, we're beating teams. The way that we were playing, I said, give me any team in world football across two legs, we'll give them a game and we and we could genuinely beat them. Yeah. COVID here after Project Restart. We had a really good win against you boys, actually. But then other than that, we were really underwhelming. Um, and, you know, in the end, we slipped down to seventh place in the league, missing out on Europe. Uh, on the final day, we should have, you know, we'd lost out 
to Burnley. We dropped points against Sheffield United. You know, they were games that you know, we get points out of. We, you know, me and you are probably having a completely different discussion now. Yeah. So we missed out on Europe then. Nuno then wanted to change his style of football, which completely backfired. Obviously, Jimenez got an injury, which is a big one for us as well. And Wolves just never recovered from that, really. So I couldn't, at the time, I couldn't see us slip into where we were now. But, you know, just nothing really has improved since uh, since COVID. Yeah, because we, it's funny enough, I've seen a video from us today and it was uh, Everton playing had just split in the yeah. Europa League. And looking back now, we always like, oh, you know, playing, that was must have been good, but... I'd never thought this was going to happen. I never thought I'd be sat here two relegation battles back to back, looking like a possible third one. Um, so it's just literally mismanagement from the top. It's just constantly sacking managers, and which I just wanted to ask you: if as a Wolves fan, how long does Gary O'Neill have? Does he is he is there a club that will go? You know what? Look at the position we're in. Give him till the time, or have you got him own a life loss where it's get him out. So. <laughs> I don't know. I think the the way the fan base is right now, I think all it would take is, I think if we got to, obviously we've got you boys this weekend, we've got Palace away next weekend. If we went into the international break with zero points, I think there'll be definitely some uncertainty. Um, mm. But I, I don't know. I, I would hope, you know, he's a, he's a brand new manager. He's been thrown in at the deep end. I would hope he has some time. Wars are giving him quite a decent contract. I think he was given a three-year deal, which is, you know, a decent length, obviously, for, for a, a head coach. Um, I don't know. I think we've got to, you know, we've got a really tough start to the season. I think just really depends. But Wolves had to rely heavily on Lopetegui coming in and a big transfer window last, last year uh, in January. Um, and I, I really hope that Wolves don't need to do that again this this season. I, I'm hopeful. Gary O'Neill's got us playing some decent football the first two games, despite us losing. So I'm hoping that it, it's not going to be a discussion, or, or I'm not having to go on social media and seeing O'Neill out every five minutes. Yeah, trust me, it's not good. No, because um, that's the thing as well that, that you know Lopatelli left on his own accord. Yeah, um, so he feels a little bit more. Careful, I think, as well. When they leave, when they get mm. sacked, it's like that. It's a bit of a relief, but when they leave, it's a bit different. Um, so, you know, for for me, I'm hoping Gary O'Neill is in a predicament where he's just saying, "Get him out," because yeah. it means you haven't won any games. He's probably the same with Sean Dice at the moment. Um, <laughs> but I just we said about before about the signings have been underwhelming. Listen, we know FFP only does a certain amount of clubs, um, mm. which we. You know, that's for another part, but you've found a couple of players. I think Cunha was here last season, wasn't he? And he's, yeah. not, he's a major loan permanent. Was that an obligation or was that an, an option to take that up? That was an obligation. So that was apparently one of Lopetegui's sort of top targets last January. Mm-hmm. Um, we managed to get him in on loan with an obligation to buy, and that was about 50 million. So this was another one of the things. I, again, I think Cunha's a fantastic player, but 50 million euros could easily be spent on two or three good players in different areas but yeah. i'm hoping you know what with the the way, the way the transfer market's gone this summer and the way he started this season to be fair if he carries on the way that he's played these first two games wolves would make profit on that to be fair but it's just getting that consistency out of these players like pedro neto's another one we signed him less than 20 million quid uh, but he has like spells, like five good games, and then he's dreadful for the rest of the season, and, yeah. and, and vice versa. So, yeah, Cunha was a was an obligation to buy. 
Yeah, because I think a lot of people were raving. I watched them against Man United, and it's just like, who's this kid? Yeah. And it seemed like a bit of a new signing. I think a lot of people were like, oh, who's Bulls got here? And no one actually realised that he played 20 games last year and scored two goals. So I can see what you're saying. It's, you know, but we just happy. It was like, oh, yeah, you know what? We'll get this lad in. Great, we've signed him. Or was it a bit, as you've just said, I can't believe we've actually got to sign this lad because 20 games... Two goals isn't isn't the retain where you go get him through the door. Yeah, yeah. So I think we knew. I think it was it was a really strange way that the loan deal was set up because I think again we mentioned off camera we got uh, Kalajdzic, uh, the striker who had signed and after forty five minutes he got injured and he was out for the season. And so I think Wolves had loaned Cunha and said, look, we'll we'll sign him, but we want him basically to check his fitness out, check he's going to be all right for three or four games. I think it was after five games, the obligation got triggered. Um, so it was something that was going to be happen regardless, really. Um, but yeah, I think his return last season wasn't great. Uh, I don't think he's a number nine. I'm not expecting him to score 15, 20 goals a season, but we definitely need him to get more goal contributions. So for me, if he can get 10, 15 goals and assists this season, for me, that's a bonus. But the way he's gliding on the ball, the way he's driving forward with the ball is is definitely uh, something that I'm looking forward to seeing more this season. But I've said it with a lot of players, you know, he came in the middle of a season from Spain under Simeone, wasn't playing a lot of football, but now he's settled in the country, had a full pre-season at Wolves, so it'll give him a chance, you know, to to really kick on this season, hopefully. Yeah, I suppose it is. You no, know, firstly, first year in the Premier League, case, isn't it? Sort of thing. Yeah. How many times I've seen it, um, and as you say, you no know, settled. Gary O'Neill might be getting the best out of him as well. I think it's obviously like a like probably was, but Gary O'Neill might be definitely doing it. Um yeah. But no, you. I mean, don't get me wrong. You look at the Wolves squad, and you've got some. Cracking players you mentioned Pedro Neto, we've got you know Cunha, um, who's the other? I've just totally forgot, blank spaced on him. That's the the, the striker. I think that's sorry, Fabio oh, Fabi- Silva. Fabio, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's just something about that kid that is just gonna, you know, a couple of goals in his system and he'd be, he'd be flying. But I look, at, I've looked before we come on of his transfer that he's have let go, and yeah. to me, it's it's a big dent. You know, you're, you're talking Neves, Jimenez, uh, Collins, Cody. I know Cody was on loan to us last season, but I loved him. Connor Cody, so I was just like, get him back in. So when he went to use it, I thought, use it, you like keep him in here. Just because of the season he's had last season, it seemed like yeah. you were missing him. So to get him back, I thought you should keep all of them. But obviously, FFP, Leicester come in with a, a major bid and you just accepted it, which in this position you have to. What's the sort of feeling around the club now of these players, these big players going out the door? Is it like, yeah, okay, get them out the door, let's start again? Or is it, what, you know, what is, what's going on sort of thing? It's a, bit, it's a bit of both, really. I think we knew going into this summer, like I said earlier, there was going to be certain players moved on. I think Neves was obviously the big one uh, who left for... Uh, you know, 45 million, which was probably 10 or 15 million more than we expected to sell him for. Jimenez, I think, was always going to move on. Lopetegui just did not get on with him anyway, but I think his time at Wolves has come and gone, unfortunately. Collins was probably the only big one with a question mark over it because, again, that was one that Lopetegui sanctioned and obviously he, he's now he's now gone. Um, so, and, and I think Wolves fans felt we should have and could have got more money for Nathan Collins. 
we mm. made a tiny, tiny bit of profit, and but we'd only had it for 12 months. Um, and then the others like Matinho, Adama, uh, you know, they, they were players that were sort of on the fringes of the squad, not necessarily yeah. first team stars, but always nice players to have as squad depth. So, of course, we were concerned because. I think when you say, if you said to me at the start of last, uh, the start of the summer, these players are going to leave, I'd be like, yeah, sound. So who are we bringing in then? Yeah. But now the fact you look at the ins and all we've brought in is a third choice goalkeeper, a Matt Doherty on a free, then that's obviously where the concern is. So I think Wolves did quite well in the January window because they stocked up quite well with central midfielders. So the Neves departure isn't isn't so isn't so bad now. But the certain other areas like centre back, Cody obviously was one that you know I think Wolves fans. The way he left the club to join you guys, and I think there was a lot of uh, not not stick, but there was a lot of negativity from Wolves fans, and I think his family had put one or two posts out as well. Um, I think it was never going to be right for him to to rejoin the club, but um, yeah, it's just disappointing from Wolves fans that it's just all seems to be players going out of the club and and not really players joining the joining the team. Yeah, we don't want David. Just elaborate on that with the Conor Cody. Was it because he came to us or was it just the way he left? No, not that he came to you guys. I think it was just that, for me, it was a surprise. Anyway, I really like Conor Cody. I think, uh, look, he's not the the most technically gifted of footballers, but I think what he brought to the team, you know, he was, for me, he was our captain during the best times I've ever had as a Wolves fan. And I've got to respect him for that. But then, obviously, I think his time... The issue with Wolves were we were fixed with a back five and that was mainly because Conor Cody was our captain and he could only play really as a sweeper. Wolves were really concerned about trying him in a back four. Bruno Large didn't like that idea. And obviously Bruno Large was the one that ended up sanctioning a, a move for him to go because at the end of the day, if he wasn't playing, he wouldn't have gotten the World Cup squad for England, uh, which he did, thankfully, in the end. Um, but then I think there was comments from his family on social media. I think the one... It may have been a week where he scored for Everton, uh, and Bruno Large was sacked the same weekend, uh, and then they, she, I think it was his sister or relative had put a picture of Bruno Large getting sacked and a picture of Connor Cody celebrating and sort of yeah. So mm. Wolves fans, I know she didn't mean it maliciously towards Wolves fans. It was probably more towards Bruno Large, but Wolves fans, as as football fans do, took that yeah. personally and then somehow that reflects bad on Connor Cody. So, um, yeah, I think it was nothing to do with him, obviously, moving to Everton. I think we all knew that he was a Premier League footballer. He just needed the game time to get into that England squad. Yeah, I was sort of happy when we signed Connor Cody. I know he's got a sort of a thing with being a Liverpool fan, but as I say, if you watch that celebration against Liverpool when he thought he'd scored, yeah. there was no sort of allegiance in that to <laughs> me. Like, he, he, he nearly screamed Goodison down, yeah. shaking as it is, to be fair. Um, so they will ask you the ultimate question now. The transfer window shut, it's over, it's finished. It's not, but I'm this yeah. is hypothetical. What do you expect from this season? Um, is it just staying up? Is it why not push the top 10? I, f- I think it'll be a long season, yeah. I think it, if the squad is as it is now, I think we're good enough to stay up, as I think Everton are probably good enough to stay up. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a straightforward season. I think they're going to be points of the season where fans worry. There'll be other points where we think, bloody hell, have we managed to, to get a result here? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think it's going to be one of those long seasons again. I think we'd be safe, but it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, one of those seasons that are, are going to be quite forgettable, I'd, I'd imagine. Buckle up, mate, because it's a bumpy ride. Yeah, Trust exactly. Me. Exactly that. Yeah. Trust me, you'll, uh, you'll test yourself. Yeah. Uh, but, I just want to sort of 
get your thoughts on us. Listen, you know, I want to see what someone thinks from the outside looking in because looking in, being in here, it absolutely stinks and mm. it's horrible and every day is just a, a slog. I just want to get someone's opinion and especially yourselves, you've been sort of in a position of the outside looking in on Everton, on, on you know, do you think, oh, these are, in, these are in big trouble, which we know we are, or do you still think yeah. oh, they'll get out of it? I think Everton, like I said, just have got enough quality to to stay in the Premier League. I think everyone knows, probably Luton and Sheffield United, the two teams going down. Um, And it's just that third one. I just think Everton and and Wolves should have too much much quality, really. But saying that for both teams, I think it's the goal scoring is a a real concern. You know, for the last three years for us, not even, you know, under Bruno Large, even under Nuno, his final year, we averaged less than a goal a game. So I think for both teams, that's an area that needs to improve. Thankfully for Wolves, when I'm watching them this season, we're having a lot of attempts on goal. We, you know, we're, we're creating chances. But for Everton, that's my only concern for you guys. I don't know where the goals are going to come. Calvert-Lewin, who's obviously a good player, just can't stay fit. Uh, I know he's mm. unfortunate with his most recent injury. Um, so I think you boys need a striker. I know you're looking at strikers, but you need a, a proper number nine before the window shuts. Um because at the end of the day, even if you're conceding loads of goals, as long as you're scoring goals, you've got a chance of winning games. But for Everton, obviously, even if you look at Sunday's game, you didn't look good going forward and you didn't look good at the back. But I think Dyche has got the experience. I think there's enough quality and experience in that squad that although it's going to be a long season, I think both teams should stay up. Yeah, and you know what? Hopefully it isn't someone else that's sitting in that position then because I'll tell you, they can't do that Bournemouth game again. Yeah. <laughs> it was just horrible. Um but do you think do you, I've seen on Twitter a lot and it makes me laugh but it's true but like, I'll give fans a break and they're going through some serious and it is listen it's horrible it's, it is horrible but do you look in it and go well it's sort of their own fault or it's, is it more of a they'll get through it sort of thing Um, it's probably a bit of both. I think, you know what, you're talking about the financial situation and trying to look at some of the players and the quality of players that Everton was buying and sometimes I couldn't get my head around it, but then you mentioned some of those players there that, you know, Everton have probably, if you, if you told me some of those players again, that, you know, Everton have probably spent £100 million on players and got nothing in return, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the Sigurdsson one is sort of out, you know, out of the control of Everton, I, yeah. I suppose. And again, that's a, a completely different discussion. But then there's other, there's other signings, you know, that are a lot of money that you didn't get returns for. So, I think it's a similar situation. You guys are in a similar situation to what probably Wolves are now. And we're probably, you guys are probably a little bit further along than what we are, but just sounds like at the top, it needs, needs good. And it needs new, you know, a new regime at the top to to sort out what's what's going on really with, with the team and the players and the squad. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, you've seen the news the last 24 hours that MSP investments have pulled out and it's just getting bad. It's just getting, it's like getting kicked. And I've ever seen yeah. that Bart Simpson thing where it's like, stop, please, had enough. <laughs> yeah, that's what it just feels like. It's like every day. Yeah. Um, but listen, you know, let's talk about the football side of it now where we do play each other on Saturday at Goodison. Um, it's a three o'clock kickoff. I'm not sure if you're going down. No, I had um, tickets while I'm working, unfortunately. But I've done, I've done Goodison a couple of times before. Uh, what do you think? Won one, lost one. I always have a crap seat. I do in the way. And my, my seat is always dreadful. Behind I the pillars. The one... The one year I went, oh, which one was that now? 
I think the one year, the one year I went and it was all right. And I think you boys beat us. I think Richarlison scored a few goals. And mm-hmm. then uh, the second season, sorry, my dogs are barking. The second season, um, Cody, Cody scored the winner. I think we beat you 1-0. That, that was, that was right. a couple Cody of years ago. Yeah, but yeah, I just I, I just want to sort of touch on the game itself. It was it's more like a six pointer than I thought I'd ever be thinking in August. Are you seeing it as a six pointer in your sort of fan base, or is it just another sort of game for you? I I haven't seen Wolves fans mention it as as that sort of game. To be fair, I know a lot of Everton fans have done. Um, I think Wolves fans are aware that, you know, we need to get something out of the match. You know, I'd hate to, you know, we've got Palace next weekend and then the international break. I'd hate to go into that international break without a win on the board. Um, but this is probably the, no disrespect to Everton, our most winnable game before the international break. And it was probably was always going to be our most winnable game. Um, so, yeah, I've not really seen much shout out to that. But I think deep down Wolves fans know that really we need to try and get something out of this match. Yeah, it's a, it is it's scary for us, I think, because we've been here before. I yeah. think we're thinking like that because you know we've been in this situation. But are you confident coming into Goodison now? I don't think Goodison's as scary as places people think. Mm. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say confident. But I think Wolves fans know that you know we can. We've got the ability to beat Everton or at least give Everton a really good game. You know, we look at your squad status now with the amount of players that are injured as well. Yeah. I think for Wolves, it's a good time to, to play you guys. Um, my only concern is I think we played Leeds a couple of years ago and they had a similar situation. We had loads of players out injured. Wolves took an early lead and just sat back for the rest of the game. And in the end, Leeds got a late penalty and, and got a point out of it in a game that Wolves should have won. So, you know, I think it depends on how Dice sets up. Uh, but I think we should, on paper, have enough quality to beat that team that Everton will put out on Saturday. Yeah, well, just that's what I was sort of going to ask you. There's nothing that scares you. There's a Wolves fan coming to Goodison on on paper. That he's not like a player where you go, well, I don't know, I hope he doesn't have a good game or anything like that because we haven't. Truthfully, we haven't got it. We as a fan base don't really look at our team and go, he'll win us the game. Yeah. Um. So for an opposition fan, I can imagine to be that that to be quite confident, really. Yeah, I I think the midfield battle will be an interesting one because I think you got you know big you got quality physical midfielders and I think that's where Everton could get some you know joy. I think you know our midfield is still good. You know we've got Lamida and we've got uh young Jao uh, Gomez. So I think it'll be a good battle in the midfield. But I think that's where your quality is. But I think defensively you look frail and 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 same. Going forward, I think you haven't got enough going forward uh, at, at present. So yeah. I think, you know, definitely next week you guys could bring some players in and really strengthen the squad. But I think the Wolves are just playing you at, at just the right time. Yeah, I think anyone's playing us just at the right time. Um, <laughs> I think Paul said that in a couple of pods that if any if Gary O'Neill could pick any team in the Premier League to play in, that would be Everton at Goodison. It, it yeah. really would. Don't get me wrong, you know, if Goodison can get going, it's... You, you know yourself, it's a horrible place to sort of play and yeah, we can beat anyone on our day. And I think that is it. It's just one of them games that two at the moment, poor sides are just going at it and let's just sort of see, see what will happen. I'm, I'm not overly confident, just purely for the fact, as you just mentioned, I don't know where the goals are coming from. Yeah. Where you seem like you're creating that many chances. It's just a matter of time where they all sort of go in. Mm. 
I'm yeah. just hoping that it's not Saturday. Yeah, no, no, I think you know our expected goals and and stuff like that, you know it's it's up there, you know, with some of the best, but well, with second most shots in the league, one of the highest expected goals in the league. So yeah, I think if we could just play like we have played in the the first two games, tighten up a bit defensively, I think because you know Brighton's press, you know, put us all over the shop on Saturday, but you know we definitely got a chance to you know score a couple of goals. Fingers crossed. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, so what I'll do is just get you to do a quick prediction, really, and you're not allowed to say Wolves will win, and you're not allowed to say Wolves will score. So yeah, if you want to do a prediction, no, well, no. I, do, I, I do think it's going to be a really close game. I think uh, if a team's going to get three points, it's only going to be a goal either way. Uh, but you know, yeah. I, I'm, I, I do have to with the situation. I do back my own team. I was going with a narrow Wolves one nil win. Yeah, you're going to have to score. Uh, I'll go with Cunha. Yeah, he's looking bright. I think he he deserves a goal. He's due a goal, so yeah, I'll go with Cunha one 0 Wolves. Yeah, I mean, if he's due a goal, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's only one team he's meant to be playing. I think that's what Gary O'Neill probably saying to them. If he probably goes to a stat man and go, who hasn't scored for the longest time? Like you're starting. Yeah, yeah, uh, probably the best time. Uh, I done prediction yesterday, and I said one 0 So we're sort of in the same boat, mate. I yeah. think it's going to be quite cagey, quite. Both te- both managers know they can't lose it, which is exactly. gonna you'll see I think you'll see that in the game. I think you'll see that in the game. Both managers know they can't just go for it and lose. But no Dave, listen, I've I've really enjoyed talking to you, mate, but I just want to give you the opportunity to, you know, plug any socials that you've got. I know you've got talking bulls, but you know, is there anything else? Instagram, YouTube, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So I mean on my personal socials, I'm at Dave as a party, um, on, on Twitter and Instagram. But there, yeah, on Talking Wars everywhere, we're on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and obviously YouTube. On the YouTube, we do match previews sort of similar to this, match reactions after the game, we do fans react where the fans can give their thoughts and, and obviously we do a weekly podcast as well. So yeah, at Talking Wars everywhere and it's uh yeah, I appreciate you having me on the channel on the podcast. No, no, listen, I appreciate you coming on and I hope, you know, Saturday, five o'clock, I get a message saying, <laughs> you know, why would you do that sort of thing? <laughs> I, I really do hope. But no, listen, best of luck for the season, mate. And I hope no, you lose two games too. this season. And, yeah, that, no. and they're both us. No, you too, now. I appreciate it. Yeah, all the best. Thanks very much. Yeah. Up the top, please. Sports Social Podcast Network.